episode 277 of Global From Asia. I survived Cross-Border Summit, and we're doing an interview about influencers and family businesses importing from China. Let's do this. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight-up, actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. All right, I am in Guangzhou, China still. I survived Cross-Border Summit 4th Annual. Thank you for those that came out and supported. Lance, it was really cool, from Vancouver. It's been listening a while, and it's awesome to meet listeners and people that have been hiding like Clint Lazenby. Clint was a speaker. He's a listener of I think most of these shows. Hopefully he's listening right now. Clint got him a jack too on her after party. I was exhausted seriously. It was like burned out. Two and a half days of intense. Uh, yeah, I'm the MC. I, I host these usually. I tried Mia is amazing. Mia, I don't think he listens to the show. She's busy making Douyin videos in China for two million views per video, but. She was really beautiful, and she kind of helped me up on stage for a little bit, but says, Mike, you know all these speakers. I'm just standing there. I don't know what to say. So, But uh, she was helping out in other ways. So thank you so much, Mia and everybody. I mean, this is what's great. We had a, a little bit over 100 amazing people there, high quality, low quantity. That's what I like. Uh, amount of people and collecting all the feedback. Didn't pick a new date yet, to be honest. There's still Colombia in the works. There's still Guangzhou. There's still Thailand. Things like that happening. All right. So I'm waiting for a dinner meeting right now with another speaker and then more meetups. Chris Davies, amazing. Thanks, Chris, for coming. He also runs amazing free meetings here, meetups here. I'll be going to that tomorrow quickly. There'll be another one. Two per phase. Two for, not phase, two per trade show season. And... Things are really building up in this cross-border e-commerce, FBA community. A lot of gossip, too. I'm not into that stuff. But let's roll, roll forward. This is I'll put the blah, blah, blah after. But today we got Alan Scanlon. Alan is an Irish entrepreneur, family business person that is in Hong Kong and is living a legacy. His dad started importing from China in the 70s via Hong Kong and other places and uh, shares a bit about the family business and also shares about a new brand he's working on with uh, within the space and into Southeast Asia and other things and just, I like these kind of shows you know a little bit of learning of family business uh, case studies and what he's working on what he's launching so hopefully we'll get Alan at the next summit maybe you know it's just bringing these amazing people we meet on the podcast into real life and putting amazing people together Without further ado, putting my MC hat on here, sound like I'm introducing a speaker. Well, I'm introducing a guest, similar style. I'm gonna get some rest after this dinner, and uh, but you can enjoy this interview. Take it away, Alan. Thank you, GoRemit.hk. I really appreciate your support. And from BizDev was there. She had an amazing booth at the Cross Border Summit this year, and they've been supporting this show for years. So, I really want to give a shout out Simon one the founder and Anne and there's others amazing people in this amazing company if you are trying to make payments from Hong Kong to mainland China or Southeast Asia it's a great solution for your payments especially small ones sometimes friends ask me how do I make payments to these small factories in Yiwu or Guangzhou or 
Thailand now or Vietnam, this is a great one because the fees are based on transaction of FX. So you can save on those costs, make multiple small little payments or big payments. I pay my wife, I mean pay my rent or give her money to go crazy with. So if you want to enjoy this solution, check it out at www.goremit.hk. Okay, thank you everybody for tuning in to our Global From Asia podcast. We are, I, I'm going to call this story time, you know, there's different types of uh, interviews we have. Um, and today I was introduced by Rico from Source Find Asia, another, and also the Made in China podcast to Alan Scanlon. Thanks for being here, Alan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's national holiday in China today, October 1st. And, uh, you know, I think you and I are, there's a holiday, I think, in Hong Kong where you're at. And China, of course, is shut down for the whole week. I'm down here in Thailand. It's not really a holiday, but my life is revolving around China now. But it's great to uh, use today's downtime to, uh, to do this interview. So there's a few things we can talk about. We're going to talk about kind of your evolution working with the family business sourcing with Ireland to your journey to Hong Kong and building a, a brand around influencers for the heavy, uh, heavy Asia sports brand. Uh, for uh, the, the brand's called Earned Athletic um, and it's based around Cry CrossFit. Okay, great. There's so much we can talk about. We, we did some prep call before the show and uh, you're, you, you're kind of following within your family business originally with the family trading from Ireland. You said 1975, yep. it got started with, with China, before China was even open. Do you want to share a little bit yeah. about the family trading business? Yeah, yeah. So I suppose I'll, um, yeah, I'll go back to when, when my dad started the company back in the, in the mid-70s. Um, he was working in, a, in an importing business in Dublin. And then decided that himself and another another guy in the business, a friend of his, they wanted to go out and do their own thing. So um, they started really importing anything, anything and everything that they could sell. A lot of stationery, a lot of toys. Um, they were coming out all over all over Asia. Um, they dealt with a lot of trading houses in Hong Kong. So um, obviously couldn't go into mainland China until seventy seventy eight. Um, and they were, yeah, just coming into Hong Kong, going to like trade events and trade shows that were all based in hotels back then. And they would deal with trading houses, um, buying, buying very small quantities of stuff. Like my dad's told me lots of stories over the years about he'd be in a, in a room with an American customer and they'd be buying container loads where he'd be buying sort of 12, 15 boxes huh. of whatever it was, rulers or staplers or... Um, and then they yeah, get them shipped back to Dublin and um, and wholesale them um, throughout throughout the country. Um, about I think it was about five five years into the business, um, they got asked to source um, a leprechaun soft toy, and that's when the souvenir business really took off. So we'd get um, like keyrings, pens, soft toys all that sort of stuff done um, with leprechaun pictures on it, shamrocks, anything green really. Um, and again, get it all manufactured in China and then wholesale it throughout Ireland. Um, uh, the souvenir and t- tourism industry being one of our biggest businesses in, uh, in Ireland. So over the 
space of whatever we're, we're coming up to over 45 years in business um, wow. that was kind of the the base of the business and that's how the how the, the the company grew sure i know i mean these american buyers yeah buying volume and then i mean i i think that ireland and lots of countries around the world i mean obviously sourced from china even back in the 70s which is very interesting and so you like you mentioned, your, your dad tells you all these stories. It must be a great opportunity to have been uh, growing up, growing up in that environment. You know, hearing about business with international business, China business sourcing. I mean, what was that experience like? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, it was always something that was around the around the dinner table. Um, so I have two older brothers and two older sisters, and they all worked in the business. Um, my oldest sister and my two brothers still do. My other my other sister doesn't anymore. But yeah, like Friday Friday night dinners in our house were a big thing and we'd all sit around the table and be told we weren't allowed to speak about business by my mother and then that would always end up being the topic of conversation. Um, so yeah, so really good insight the whole time. Um, and I suppose a really good foundation for me now, having that, having all my brothers and sisters involved in the business and having that um, just kind of constant chat about work and how how being a family business, it's 24 seven. It's not just nine to five, mm-hmm. um, which was a good, a good kind of mentality to, to get in, in, into myself early on. Sure, man. The hustle and the grind. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I hope we're not discouraging, you know, listeners, you know, obviously it's an amazing thing to build, build your own business. And, but there's a lot of times the wrong mindset, like the whole, I mean, I love Tim Ferriss, but the four-hour work week or, you know, sitting on the beach collecting money, I mean, to, to start your own business and to run your own business is, is not a, uh, you know, small feat. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm jealous you had that environment, you know, growing up. I mean, that's, that's got to be amazing. So Yeah, and, and it was always something like there would always be ideas, different ideas for businesses, and it's kind of interesting that it would lead on to what, what, what I'm doing at the moment with the apparel business, but kind of all the steps I suppose building up to this moment where I'd come up with an idea and I'd be able to source it from from China because I'd have that background but then I wouldn't have the capability to do the rest of the steps or get get money for it or whatever marketing or the branding or whatever it was um but it's all kind of uh I suppose different failures are are not completing on it until until you you do set up that company um <clears throat> and learning from all those all those different business ideas and ventures, I suppose, and then all the background with with the family business as well. Sure, sure. So, so then now you're in Hong Kong, and I think we'll get into your your current venture and your current brand in a second. But maybe give us this whole transition or how you got into the industry. How did how did you get to Hong Kong, and how did you kind of get to where you are now? Yeah. So. Um, uh, with the family business, I, I started working there about 10 years ago and I was more on the packaging side. So we have Allied Imports, which is souvenirs, and then we had Allied International. So they were both started by my dad and they were both sister company, I suppose you'd call it. Um, and it was myself and my my dad and my sister on the packaging side with Allied International. So um we do a lot of high-end sort of luxury chocolate packaging, um, high-end drinks packaging. Um, we'd work with work with Marks and Spencer's, who would have been our biggest customer. 
So they opened up a lot of doors into the UK market and into the rest of Europe. Um, and then my brothers ran the souvenir side of the business. Then about, I think it was like seven or eight years ago, we bought a company called Tipperary Crystal, which okay. at the time was about, it was 95% crystal glassware um, and about sort of 5% giftware. Now we did a bit of a, <coughs> a bit of um, a flip on that and it's about 95% giftware now and 5% glassware. So a big focus on packaging and um, very much a giftware company that with, we have jewelry ranges, Christmas decorations, handbags, photo frames, chandeliers, um, huge big uh, range of goods. So we built that up in Ireland and have had a lot of success with that. We'd be the, the number one giftware company back home. A uh, very small market, obviously, but um, have had great success with the brand. Um, and then about, just before I moved to Hong Kong, we, we decided that we were going to launch um, another version of Tipperary Crystal. So the international range called Bailey and Brook. We weren't um, selling any crystal glassware, so we just didn't want to have any confusion um, in the name. And that's what kind of gave me the opportunity to come out to Hong Kong. My, um, my older brother had asked me would I, would I fancy moving out here and setting up an office and handling the international trade um, so trade shows in America and Hong Kong and in Europe, and then obviously being on China's doorstep, being able yeah. to deal with the manufacturers. That's yeah, totally. This is uh, yeah, this is exciting. I mean, you're the legacy and, uh, you know, thinking of my son and my daughter, you know, I hope I can give them these experiences uh, myself. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no pressure though. What do you think? <laughs> I course. mean, do you think there's pressure on your side? I mean, or is this something you chose? Um, it it was kind of weird when I when I went into I I I got I say offered a job in inverted inverted uh, commas there I got I was going into work in the company when I was about twenty four twenty five and I couldn't wait to move into the business but I absolutely hated it for about two years uh -huh. I hated it. couldn't stand it wanted to do anything and get out of the business and then I started getting more into it um. And enjoying it more but when i was when i got offered the opportunity to move to hong kong I, I i i had a i had a bit of a thing that i wanted to leave anyway and wanted to do something different i just didn't know how i was going to do that okay so getting the job getting the offer from my brother to do it was a real catalyst to go right i can really go and have a go at something else in hong kong and i knew hong kong from over the years and knew there was lots of opportunity out here and lots of great people to meet and Awesome. Um, if you're going to make good connections, it was going to be here. So it was really like a springboard. And I ended up, I ended up moving to Hong Kong and essentially doing the exact same thing of what I was doing in Ireland, um, but doing it for myself. And then that gave me a lot more uh, happiness and enjoyment. So yeah, it was difficult coming out, moving out here on my own. I had had friends out here, so it. it, it that wasn't the, the worst, but um, definitely a lot of different pressures uh, coming out and doing it. And, and it's like you're talking there about building a business before. It's, it's not for everyone. Um, and you have to kind of realize that if you want to come out and try to be an entrepreneur and, and work for yourself, it, it can be pretty lonely at times. Um, but um, no, it's definitely, it's definitely been, been the best thing coming out here is the best thing I've ever done. Awesome. There you go, man. That's the spirit. And yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I mean, especially international business. You know, I remember I used to mostly do, you know, U.S. e-commerce when I lived in the U.S. And, of course, there was trying to do some trading from China, which kind of led me here actually staying up. The time zone difference is just so hard to deal with, you know, the, uh, the, I mean, the grind, you know, like morning, night, evening, you know, afternoons, there's always some, always somebody working, always something happening around you, especially in Asia, just nonstop. So let's, let's dive into your current thing. Your, uh. How did how did this come about? Maybe share the story. Well, I actually kind of so when I when I moved out and I was doing the 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 family business stuff with the Bailey and Brook brand, I I ended up setting up my own company called Newland Sourcing. Um, a few different people had asked me to find um, different bits and pieces, and I at another trade show I, I came across a buyer from Cirque du Soleil. Okay. who wanted to do a range of ornaments. Um, so that kind of actually like went very, very quickly and got some really, really nice orders from Cirque. So I decided to set up my own sourcing business. Um, and in, the, in that time, I had actually met Rico. I'd come across his podcast. So we then kind of struck up a bit of a partnership um, between the two, between ourselves of, of certain products that I can't get my hands on. If I need a quick turnaround, we, we then work together, um, which has been great. And then he's introduced me to a lot of people, obviously, at, at this side of the world. Um, so I had the sourcing business and I was doing the family, family business thing as well. Um, and then about, uh, when was it? It was Jan- end of December last year, January this year, that um, I came up with the idea of, of approaching uh, the guys who own my CrossFit gym in, in Hong Kong to launch an apparel range. So uh, the gym in Hong Kong is called Coastal Fitness and it's run by two brothers, um, Ed and Ant Haynes. Ant is classified as the fittest man in China. Uh, so he, he won the CrossFit Games, or the, he, he topped the CrossFit ladder in China. And then he finished 27th in the world in the CrossFit Games, just gone by there in August. So the idea was to build a brand, um, to build an apparel brand that would um piggyback off the influence and the success of crossfitters in Europe or sorry in, in Asia and sell to the Asian market. Um, <clears throat> and that sort of all coincide with the fact that CrossFit is on the rise in China and becoming more and more popular. Mm. Um, so yeah, so very much very much along the kind of lines of what Gymshark did in they use bodybuilding to get their brand out there. And I want to use um, CrossFit in the Asian market because that's where we have our, our influence. Okay. Awesome. And so where are we at now? What's the, what's the current, I know we, you know, even we had call and you're working on the influencer strategy and your pre-launch. You're not launched yeah. yet, right? At least as far no, as no. Um, So yeah, I mean, when I kind of sat down to, when I first sat down with them and I gave a time, a time frame, I, I said eight to 12 months, uh, we're about 10 months in and the target is the first week in December to launch the product. Um, I, I obviously, ideally you want to get it out, um, before Christmas rather than doing it in January or February. Um, so we've, we've set ourselves that target. We're finalizing our, our third set of samples at the moment. And then we're going to be having, a photo shoot with our influencers um, in the gym here in Hong Kong. And then we'll start getting all the 
content out on social media through our digital marketing company and then through the influencers. So hopefully have a kind of three or four week uh, uh, launch um, sort of countdown, I suppose, up to the launch. Um, so we can just get a bit of brand awareness um, and get a bit of excitement building about the, about the launch on, yeah, hopefully the, the first week in December. All right. It's exciting, man. We'll, uh, and what's the, what's the strategy for these? I guess you have good partners, right? That are helping you. I mean, what's this, what's the strategy for these influencers? Like what, what's the offer or what's the, uh, I mean, so we're very much, I, my big thing with this whole brand and with, with the business is very much built on culture relationships and connections within the company. And then that leads into the type of people that we want to work with. So <clears throat> being a startup and the money's all coming from, from our own pockets, we don't have a huge, a huge kind of uh, piggy bank to play with. So the two brothers who I'm working with and who's the, who's the athlete and Ed, who is his coach, the two of them have a lot of influence in the, in the Asian market when it comes to CrossFit. They'd both be, the top, the top of the game and very well recognized um, when it comes to CrossFit in Asia. So we've got um, a group of influencers here in Hong Kong. There's, there's five people involved and again, all very closely tied to the gym and to the two brothers. Um, they're very much coming on board and helping us up out because they believe in the product and they, they want to help and try and support us. So that's, that's, how we're going about this. I think if we start offering certain people money and other people don't get paid, you, you create a bad atmosphere and a bad culture uh, within mm. the brand. So that that's our plan. And, and we want to get to a place where we build up the company enough that we can, our, our, our ambassadors are going to be called our earned athletes. And we want to get to a stage where we can build a brand up enough that we pay for them to go to events, that we sponsor them at events, that we bring them all together and we have good socials or, or good events in the gym and, and, and we look after them in that sense. Um, and I mean, listen, if we hopefully uh, touch wood, we get to a stage where we, where we can pay the people that are, are, are helping us bring in revenue. That would be amazing. But at the start, it has to be very much <coughs> uh, helping us out because they, yeah, they believe in the brand and they, and they want to, they want to see us grow. Okay. Exciting. So, yeah, I'm sure you've learned a lot. I mean, has it gone as expected? Is there some kind of like lessons learned or or, uh, or recommendations yeah. for others going through what you're doing? Well, a lot of it is like, and like you know yourself as well. It's when you're like I, I saw so my background's in sourcing and dealing with manufacturing in China, so that part was fine. But I still like I, I was talking to about 20 factories at the start. I had never sourced apparel like this before, like gym apparel. I, we'd done t-shirts and, and, and sort of Irishy um, hats and clothes, but nothing to, to this sort of standard. So again, you're, you're learning a whole new process and you're learning about like how, how they actually make and buy the fabrics and dyes and the lead times and all, all that sort of stuff. So definitely a big learning curve the the big one with me with apparel was the tech packs um so you're basically like your spec for how a t-shirt or a jumper or or a pair of shorts is made um it's a huge amount of detail um i was initially working with an american designer so i was the go-between between the factory and the designer and we had huge issues in 
just the language barrier and uh, things mm. getting lost. So now I have a designer who's based in Hong Kong who speaks Mandarin. So it's she's connect. They're all we're all connected on WeChat, and it's just a lot. It's a lot more straightforward, and it's been it's been been really really useful having her. But I had spent a lot of money on the old designer as well. So mm. it's things like that. Yeah, that you you definitely pick up. Um, definitely learn from. Um, same with the samples. I know now one hundred percent. Next time we do different items. I know how to do it a lot more efficiently um, and so that we won't have to do as many samples um, for the next items. So yeah, like definitely learning turns and even all the digital marketing, man, and like all the social media, like it's something that I'm not massively up to, up to speed with um, apart from like my personal stuff that I do, but that's a completely different ballgame. So I'm working with a great digital marketing company called Spruce. Okay. We're based out of Manila and they've um they're just really on like yeah the stuff they've done for us to date has been has been really cool and really fits in with the brand um, okay. and what we're trying to create exciting yeah i'm just checking them out so just thinking here so december 1st we're recording this it will probably actually honestly a couple more a few more weeks prior to we go live but um it seems like you have a good team in place you have good info you have your influencer network through your partners that have a long-term relationships and, and kind of credibility in the industry. Um, what are some of the goals that you have? Um, I mean, the, 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 the main, the main target for this brand or the main market that we want to get into is China. Um, with the growth of CrossFit and with the influence that we have in the Chinese marketplace, that's where I really see the, the brand taking off. Now, as you know, it's like a completely different ball game in there as well. It's, it's mm -hmm. so much more complicated um, in regards to influencers and social media and selling and online and everything. So we are launching in Hong Kong. We will we'll be selling throughout a Asia, or shipping throughout Asia, but we'll be launching in Hong, Hong Kong and targeting Hong Kong at the start. Um, I want to have... I want to, the money from launch one will just be reinvested back into the company and used for the second launch. And again, for the, for the third and fourth, touch okay. wood, all things going well, we will then look at, at raising capital. Um, but I, I really want to have something uh, substantial before we go to look to raise money. So yeah, it has to work first of all, um, which I'm pretty confident we will, we will definitely sell, sell something but um, I, I don't want to kind of look to raise capital or anything like that before we have we have a good foundation and then we can actually look for for what we believe we're valued at as well. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think everybody always wants to raise, you know, especially younger, not younger, newer entrepreneurs. You know, we always get excited about the TechCrunch news about the investment round that the next yeah. startup got. But maybe for SaaS or tech startups in Silicon Valley, that's the cool thing. But I think for what listeners and you and I are building, you know, the more you can bootstrap and build yeah. the better terms you can get, you know, I mean, exactly, exactly. And I just, I, you know what, I'd feel very uncomfortable spending someone else's money at this point. <clears throat> like, I mean, it just, it, it mightn't work. Worst case scenario, I mightn't sell anything and we could be stuck with a load of, a load of um, gym gear, but and then I would just, yeah, I just, I wouldn't feel, feel that. Uh, comfortable at all now dealing with someone else's money and I've, and I've had a few offers I've had a few people who think the idea is really great and they want to get involved and, and give me cash like friends of mine um 
which which I just said no to because I just yeah I just wouldn't wouldn't feel comfortable with it. Yeah, and there's 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 another side to that argument, but yeah, I mean we got to do what you you're comfortable to do, and yeah, and um, I think sometimes you and I might be too nice to raise you know to, you know risk somebody else's money, but I think as long as they understand the risks. Uh, I've talked to others, you know, on this show or privately, you know, I think as long as you're disclosing the risks um, and they're accepting of that, it should be okay. I guess the problem is when they, you know, somebody invests and then they, they think it's like turned into a loan instead of an investment. You're like, no, no, this, yeah. this is an investment, not a loan, unless, yeah. unless that's what you agreed upon. But uh, I think people have been through that. So, so how can, people find uh, find out more and then uh, i guess maybe also you know we do talk about corporate structure china uh, how are you how are you operating in china or you're or you still <laughs> in hong kong first and then mainland china because obviously there's complications of chinese entities and hong kong entities and banking yeah yeah i, I mean i mean we're all that. we're all set up and registered and everything in hong kong um I have I have people that I can speak to about the Chinese side of things, but we haven't done anything yet. I've just I've I've got the trademark and all that sort of stuff registered. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, the plan, and when I when I speak about raising money there, that's kind of the plan to raise money to raise a nice chunk of change that we can attack the Chinese market properly and not half arse it. So going into the setup and all our social media setup and WeChat and Weibo and all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and ran register in China, but I haven't actually started that process um, yet. I want to. I just want to make sure it's it works first because there's so many other expenses that we just got to put first um, before that. True. Well, I think also a uh, you know a lot of times people recommend starting in Hong Kong first. You know, it's uh, I don't want to get political, especially today. But uh, you know, there yeah. are differences, of course, in Hong Kong and China. But you could, of course, learn a lot about the the market and the experience. And it is a lot easy, more Western business in Hong Kong as well as yeah. Asia. And then you can almost use that data, and you can use that uh, kind of credibility to to further expand into mainland China. You could also find distributors. You know, selling direct, of course, sounds great. But you could also have like your partners equity partners you can also have distribution partners in in china yeah. i like to, to joke about the uh it's not really a joke but bruce lee you know be the water you know you know maybe distributors might be a better way into mainland china or even other markets i don't know if you thought about yeah, I mean, that i like a few a few kind of avenues that because because everything's going to be sold online so people in china can still buy can still buy the items um I had like I've been looking into a few different trade shows, a few different sports trade shows in in China. So you never know what will come up or who you'd meet at at something like that. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I online. I mean, to me, retail just is 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 dying a death at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and online is, I mean, the internet's only going to get bigger and faster and stronger. So I, I saw some uh, figures yesterday from the online sales in China. And it's just, they're insane. So I think if you weren't focused on doing that, um, you're being you're being left behind a bit. But I mean, you never know. Listen, someone comes in and goes, we want to order two container loads of stuff and distribute it for you. you, you I mean, I, I definitely think about it. So essentially, you could also have a distributor on Tmall or Taobao potentially yeah, too, rather than you, yeah. you yourself. 
um, just so listeners can understand that. Uh, So you could have online distributors as well. I think, of course, the best is to sell direct, but there's there's pros and cons to both sides. Um, But exciting times, man. Thanks so much for sharing, Alan, and uh, I really wish you the best. How how can listeners uh, get involved or learn more or see what you're up to? So we're currently building the website at the moment. So I would say, I mean, it will be up up just slightly before the launch date. So it's www.earnedathleticapparel.com. And then our Instagram, which obviously isn't very handy for a lot of people in China, but our Instagram handle is at earnedathleticapparel. We will in the next in the next month, I'd say, be starting to push uh, our content on that. Um, so you'll see, you'll see the sort of launch date and, and what influencers we're working with and the, the product and everything like that through, through the Instagram or Facebook and then the website. Okay. Exciting. Exciting. Thanks so much for sharing, Alan. And I, I really do wish you the best. Thanks, man. Um, appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Cheers. Another shout out, Alpha Rock Capital. I am a shareholder and partner and biz dev dude. They have supported this show to get it going again. And I really appreciate Mark Roca and the rest of the partners there at Alpha Rock Capital. If you are looking to sell your Amazon FBA company, or if you are looking to invest in a fund, I might not be able to say that. Well, I can't say it on their podcast or our podcast at Alpha Rock, but why not here? We're going to be a fund raising money and buying lots of businesses. If you're interested to get involved, whether you want to cash out your company or whether you want to put your money with us, actually, it's amazing things that are happening. We made a lot of amazing opportunities in Bangkok, at DCBKK, opportunities at Cross Border Summit. Thank you for their support. Thank you for your support. It's a great way to get some exposure and diversify. Even if you're already a seller, you want some diversification, check them out, www.alpharockcapital.com. I also have a podcast there. We uh, interview the team and investors and talk more about investor mindset. Check it out. Thank you, Alan, for sharing. I hope y'all y'all enjoyed that. It's pretty cool, you know. I have to say my blah, blah, blah session, you know. It'd be awesome if my son was something like Alan, you know, continuing to grow the family business and being an entrepreneur and venturing out to do his own thing. Don't know if I asked in the show how that conversation went, but I think as a dad, as a new young dad, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, I could, I could see myself being pretty happy if something like this happened. Miles, think about getting him to learn on a computer already. You know, he's five and uh, just turned five a few months ago, but five going on five and a half. I think that's about the age to get on my laptop. I got a beaten-up old Chromebook. I'm thinking about sacrificing for his. Uh, juice spills or whatever a couple hundred bucks but uh it's been amazing i'm still recovering from the summit but i just i just love to um hide behind my microphone seeing people in real life is like freaking me out a little bit you know fourth time clint was like you're a lot different than i imagined from listening to the show and the email newsletter and things like that but it's true. I am a introvert, I think. Even after all these freaking events, I'm still an introvert. Maybe my son will be better than me. You know, No pressure to Miles. Or maybe my daughter, Maggie, will be better than me or better than me than these things. Maybe they can host a conference <laughs> event side. I can hide behind a microphone and behind my comp- keyboard. But 
Yeah, Alan's got an amazing story. I do think it's the right way to go. You know, I think maybe when his dad started his import business, it was a much different world in the 70s. We're getting into 2020 here, and we just really need to take take um, take steps to build brands, right? To build our own products. I'm here in the Canton Fair, right? I, I just saw some factories. I still saw the Sisitano Mocha Pop factory, for those that are following that you know still at alpha rock uh, the, the brand is moving forward and saw them and took some pictures of products took a picture of the booth made sure none of our logos were on any of the products in the booth area but you know i think you got to build your own brand if you're just a uh, trading and a service provider no offense there was amazing service providers at the event there's i mean i know listening and i've done it myself back in the day but i believe alan's on the right track to build his own brand and also he's innovative enough to find a partner that's an influencer and to find some ways to distribute that in the modern internet world i uh really am proud of him sound like a dad or something but (laughs) thinking um that's what everybody here should be doing is building a brand it doesn't even have to be a product brand i mean I'm a little bit proud of my little brands, you know, because Global From Asia is truly not focused, honestly. I talked to some speakers, and they're like, I don't know what Global From Asia is. Well, I'm kind of in a transition, honestly. Just released our fourth book, E-Commerce Gladiator. I'm spinning off these as websites. You know, e-commercegladiator.com is its own website now. Crossbordersummit.com is its own website. I used to want everything in Global From Asia, but I think it's just confused too many people. You know, I think we need to build brands, and and I'm really thinking he's on the right track, Alan, and I hope to get him back on the show in the future and and see what he's been building and growing, and I wish him the best in the launch. I know he's been asking me when... We recorded about a month ago or so before I went on all these crazy travels, so, you know, he's launching soon, and uh, I hope this show can help. Maybe, Maybe if you're interested to get involved, give him some feedback, check out his website. Probably adding him on LinkedIn is the best. He's pretty active on LinkedIn. He's been supporting some of these posts in the um, LinkedIn world. And he had a booth at the Mega Show or else he would have been at the Summit, you know. It's just It's hard not to overlap during this trade show season with other things happening. But I do wish him the best. Wish you the best, Alan. I, I know you're listening to the shows. I, I know it might be weird to listen to yourself, at least for me. I don't like listening to my own voice still after I'm... Global Major turned six six years. Can you believe that? There was a little bit of a gap for a few months in the shows, but we've been keeping up mostly for six years, and I appreciate you choosing to listen, and you're in this blah, blah, blah session where I'm talking about Alan and his, thinking of his dad and thinking of myself as a dad and thinking of my kids and thinking of what the world will look like when my kids are Alan's age. That's pretty weird. Okay, I think it's weird enough. Their meeting's probably going to start soon. i got to compress this and hope the Chinese internet lets me upload this so that our amazing editor, Alvin, can make this and LJ can get this going. And Cheryl, we got the transcription on the website, you know, globalformasia.com slash episode 277. We try to get as much of a full transcription of this when we post so that you can try to enjoy that. My uncle Gary reads the transcriptions. I don't think he listened to the podcast. I think he read the transcription, so... That's pretty cool. A lot of things happening right now. I will be in Hong Kong when this show is live, checking out Global Sources and the Summit and 
the community there, meeting in FastHK and some other people. So I uh, am really excited for that. And then Halloween, I'm going to fly back to Thailand from Hong Kong. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, I really hope the airport is opened. I really hope. I was thinking about the masks. Halloween, that's in Hong Kong. Sounds a little bit scary with what's been happening. If I was mischievous, I might use Halloween as a time to have masks and do stuff. But um, maybe going to let you guys be creative on what that might be. And I'm personally not going to do that. I'm going to be in the airport, hopefully, on my flight on October 31st evening. Maybe you're in the airport, you can give me a high five. Went to the airport hotel a couple of times. But let's uh, let's wrap this one. Thanks so much. Episode 277 in the books. Actually, next week's show, I already interviewed this amazing author of a book. And we talked some amazing things about the trade war and China culture, U.S. culture, and some other insights of why people might not like Americans. And I'm saying that as an American. So... <laughs> I hope to catch you on next week's show. Thank you again for listening and supporting however you're able to support books, sharing the podcast, telling your friends, telling your friends about the events, things like that, retreats, whatever. But try to make this show grow, and your listening is helpful enough. Thank you. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.